Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. Derek. Hello, sir. The day this airs, January 25th. Mm -hmm. Only 11 months till Christmas. (laughs) Don't wait to the last minute to buy your gifts. You got 11 months notice. Yes. To save up and buy the good stuff. (laughs) So, second last uh, recording night of dry January. Correct. And after I had my real beers before you got here, uh, we're having a sober carpenter, Irish red, non-alcoholic craft beer. We're trying a variety of things, actually. Yeah. What do you think of this one, the Irish red? Uh, Not too bad. It's... uh I'm not a fan. Okay, so when I think of Irish Reds, I think of like Rickards Red stuff, but I am not a fan of Rickards Red. So this kind of reminds me of Rickards Red, which means I'm not a fan of this either. But it's okay for a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, it's not. But it's probably one of the better ones we've had. Yes, correct. But there seems seems to be something missing. <laughs> Not the alcohol. <laughs> okay, I thought, I thought that's where you're going. There's something missing in this non-alcoholic beer, but I just can't put my finger on it. <laughs> no, there's something missing in that, but still good. Out of all of the ones we've had, these mm-hmm. sober carpenters, yeah. um, the Irish red so far, I think, has been the best. Yes. Yeah. Now to the bad news. <laughs> you decided you would pick up a couple of... Um, Bottles of alcohol. Yes. To try a couple little shots of. Uh, one of them being a, a, I don't want to use the word scotch because I'm afraid <laughs> I will leave this room and there'll be a bunch well, of Scotsmen well, upstairs you couldn't call ready it to a, beat me up. Couldn't call it a scotch. Couldn't call it a whiskey. Couldn't go to call it a single malt. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. Let me start off with a good story though. The uh, so I I saw I don't know how I came across this stuff. Your phone phones hear you. I tell you. So I, I started seeing these ads, and uh, and so so I went to the website. It's like hmm, this will be fun to try. And I ordered the stuff on like Saturday. It came came. Oh, you actually ordered this through the mail? Yes, it came. Oh. In the mail. It was delivered Monday. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so I I had I had ordered it in and. Uh, so when Siobhan got home from work, I to get the cheap or the free shipping, I was like ten bucks short. So I ordered some some alcohol free gin and tonic, pina colada, and whatever cans, and plus these two bottles. And they're sitting on the kitchen counter when she got home. And she looks at it. She looks at me. She looks at it. She goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and she's not after, getting drunk. <laughs> afterwards, she said uh, she thought that I. I was like getting ready for the end of the month. She goes, "Well, it's gonna be, February first is gonna be a bad night." <laughs> no, no, no. I said, "Look at look at the labels. Look at the labels." So they're all alcohol free. So, <laughs> so let's go with the first one here. You got. <laughs> yes. We did have high hopes. I know. I I, had... I will admit I have never had alcohol free alcohol alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a Glen Ochus. Royale. What? De- uh, uh, yeah, Glenn Dawkins. Is that a D? Yeah. Yeah, Glenn Dawkins. Doesn't look like a D. Looks like two O's. But I guess yeah, yeah, Glenn Dawkins. Anyways, it's a it's a deluxe. The Royale. A deluxe something, but it's zero point zero percent. It's supposed to be a non-alcoholic version of a of a Scotch. Yeah, or a, yeah. a blended Scotch. It's actually made in Scotland. Yeah. 
You, you, people over in Scotland, you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, absolutely. Ashamed. Shame. Yeah, I, we need a big bell. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. Yeah, so I was very disappointed. It's... um. I had to dump mine out. I couldn't drink it. I drank mine. It was like drinking flavored water. It, yeah. It's cool flavored yeah. water. There was no bite. There was no, not even like an imitation of a scotch taste. I was thinking of, it for me, bad I was Bad apple thinking, juice. <laughs> yeah, bad apple juice. I was thinking uh, uh, sugar water that was filtered yeah. through a dirty ashtray. Yeah. 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 And my comment on this is you hide it in your jacket when you're going to a friend's house. <laughs> and when they leave the room, you quickly take it out of your jacket and put it in their bar. <laughs> yeah, just leave it. And just leave it there to see how long it takes for them Who to realize. <laughs> I was thinking that you could show up at a party and you, and you, you go, let that, just break this party open. And then you just pull the cork off this thing and just slam the whole thing back. And all the adults in the room go, uh-oh. <laughs> it's going to be bad now. Is this the one that was vegetarian, this, halal, yes, it's, gluten-free? Uh, what is it? Vegetarian, vegan, halal certified, gluten-free. It actually has a shelf life, but there's no alcohol in it as a preservative. Consume within eight months of opening. I, I don't know if I can oh, drink. Oh, it's going to be a long it's, eight I don't months. know if I can drink this in eight months. I could probably drink that whole bottle right now. I wouldn't <laughs> enjoy it, but I probably could drink it because it, it, it's just like bad apple juice. Yeah, I don't know if your body would, like there's got to be some sort of chemicals here that's not going to be good for you. Well, considering I had a whole bunch of buttered chicken for dinner, it's probably not going <laughs> to end well. <laughs> not going to go down well. Anyway, so it's a very pretty bottle, a very nice label. Yeah. And I also noticed that uh, most alcohol bottles come in 750s. Yeah. These are both 700s. So they're smaller than normal. Oh, so they're saving you from a little bit of Yeah, they're saving discomfort. you from a little bit of discomfort, but also, and I will say because so I said uh so it had to be for free shipping. It had to be over a hundred bucks. And this, these two bottles were ninety nine bucks. So I ordered, <laughs> I ordered, I ordered the the four cans of gin thing that have no, zero alcohol as well. It's like what is a, a margarita, pina colada. There's four things. What? How are they? Oh, I haven't opened them. Okay. I have no idea. They're, they're, I'm scared to open them now. But anyway, <laughs> so that, that, that brought it up over and yada, yada, yada. So so these are not... Saving the alcohol does not save you money. <laughs> no, no. We've already determined that, like you say, the, the whole concept of dry January oh, yeah, was well, to yeah, yeah. save money from yeah. the holidays, <laughs> right? So you're not spending all that money. Yeah. And give your system a break from all the alcohol, from all the parties yeah, you sure. supposedly go to. At ginger and, and but yeah, December. The the alcohol-free beers and stuff are almost the exact same price as regular beers, craft beers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you're not saving any money at no. all. No, you're not saving any money. No. So there is one other bottle here, which I had better <laughs> hopes for, and you've poured some. Yeah, the smell is not good. <sighs> it smells like sugar water again. But yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous. It's this one here is there, actually, there's a, a flavor in here smelling that I don't know what it is. No, I'm trying to identify it myself. It's sort of a caramel. So this one oh here, lighter fluid. That's it. <laughs> yes. So this one here is actually branded. It's a Captain Morgan's spiced gold alcohol free spirit. 
It's produced by Captain Morgan Marim. I'm not sure where it's made. Oh, you're trying it, are you? It's called... Yeah, there you go. Perfect for mixing Captain and You know what? I think they put the exact same stuff in both (laughs) bottles. Does it taste the same? It tastes the same. Oh, there's a bit more. There's a bit of a Granny Smith apple taste and flavor to it. It's the apple juice I was talking about. It's a little bit more palatable palatable than the uh, Glendocus. But there's absolutely no bite to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I hope you have a great time drinking those two bottles. If you show up with them again, it, I'm kicking you out. <laughs> I'm going to sneak them into your, ca- gonna your sneak, alcohol cupboard. Into my alcohol cupboard there <laughs> when I'm not looking. So that one's that one's a bit more palatable. It's a, it does have it does say you can you know mix with uh, 150 milliliters of cola and ice, garnished with a wedge of lime. But see, it wouldn't taste like a rum and coke though. No, well, it just tastes like Coke with sugar in it. Yeah. Extra well, and they sugar. actually put extra sweeteners in this, by the if you read the, the label. But this was produced in Italy. Captain Morgan. Huh. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> so disappointing. <sighs> so, well, I was considering it 0% alcohol. I could just, I guess I could just take this to work. Right? Let's put on your... Are you drinking at work? No. Are you sure? Yeah, trust me. You have some. (laughs) Tell me if I'm drinking at work. (laughs) Again, it's 11 months till Christmas. And if you have any people that you don't like and you want to get them a gift, (laughs) hit us up. We'll show you the link. (laughs) Very good. Oh, we got to do that. A lot of... uh, in, In my industry, a lot of people at Christmas time, they pass out bottles of wine and stuff. Oh, yeah. So to, to any suppliers that have just given you heartache all year, <laughs> I know what they're getting. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> this is like a lump of coal in right? stocking. That's exactly what it's going to be. Ah, <laughs> oh, for the person you hate, 0% alcohol. <laughs> 0% alcohol, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, what's new with you other than this? <laughs> <laughs> this was it. Waiting for February. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's been easy. Like, me, me and Siobhan were talking about it. It's like, it's... Yeah, I mean, you don't... Unless you're yeah. a diehard drinker. Yeah, you don't which really I'm not. It. No. Which I'm not. I, I'll I, have a beer to a week. Talks, generally, really. I kind of let myself go and have fun when I'm camping or off with the guys somewhere. But yeah. generally, I, I like, I don't know, have a one or two beer a week or something, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't even keep hard liquor in the house. Oh, I do. Yeah, you've got a collection of it over there. Yeah. But they, you never drank them, it seems. Oh, the absinthe. I mean, I've got oh, a yeah? couple. Of, yeah, the absinthe goes. Hmm. The, um, a lot of the, but I, I actually do some cooking with some of the stuff too, so. Oh, or, cool, the, cool. The rum was with all that fruitcake. <laughs> we went through a lot of rum in the fruitcake. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. I hate fruitcake. It'd be a waste of rum for me. Nah, it's Okay. I don't know when the last time. Well, except for this alcohol-free rum, I uh, I haven't bought cracking. rum. I got cracking. in like ten years or more. Yeah. yeah. No, we got stuff over there. I'll occasionally buy a bottle of scotch. I think at Christmas I'll have scotch in the house. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I just finished my bottle of uh, Belvenny Doublewood. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
I've tried that before, I think. <gasps> yeah, we've had it here. Mm, one night we've yeah, had we've had yeah. it. It's a good one. Uh, we actually took Kevin Callan a bottle of that. Ah, yes. And we drank it yeah. at his house, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping, I was talking to Andy Baxter from Recreational Barrel Works. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't checked out his stuff, check out Recreational Barrel Works. Just Google it and check out all the stuff they have. Apparently, they got some stuff coming too. New stuff. He's got new stuff coming, yeah. Yeah, so we're not going to spill the beans on that though. Yeah. So you didn't hear that here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we were up there and uh, was talking, well, we we're talking, I was talking to him over emails and we're, we're sort of making plans to meet at Kevin's place mm-hmm. and uh, imbibe some of Kevin's. Yes. Kevin just doesn't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kevin Callan's out. Uh, I think he's with with uh, Tim from um, Canadian Outdoor yes, Equipment. Yeah, they're winter camping right now. Yeah, I saw, I've seen him posting food and wood stove stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. stuff having fun. If you got the time to do it, you mm-hmm. might as well do it, right? Uh, speaking of my May to May paddle goal of paddling at least once every month of the year. Yep. This past Saturday. Oh, yes. You did Lake Ontario. Saturday? Saturday. Mm, I saw you yeah. post that. I got out for my January paddle. We had planned to go a couple weeks, like two weekends ago. Uh, like not this past weekend, the one before, but the winds were just oh, yeah, horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing was, is it just had a nice uh, snow. Yeah. So I figure paddling up the river would have with been the nice, nice, yeah. nice newly fallen snow yeah. would have been beautiful up there. But no, the winds were just <laughs> howling, so that didn't happen. And now there'd be ice on the river. But uh, yeah. Or the creek. Was that, no, it was Sunday I went. Um, Yeah. Was it Sunday? Yeah, yeah it was Sunday. I don't know. Just one day just goes <laughs> into another anymore. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just got so many things going. Uh, beautiful sunny day. Uh, first thing in the morning was like minus 11 Celsius, 12 Fahrenheit. By the time we were on the water, it was minus 7 Celsius or 19 Fahrenheit. By the time we were off the water, it was minus 3 <laughs> or 26. Yeah. See, at this point, 26, I prefer Fahrenheit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want minus 3 Celsius or 26 Fahrenheit? Oh, I'll take the 26, yeah, please. Exactly. Uh, rivers in our area, because we were going to go down to, to the Rotary Park near us and launch into the river, check out Duffins Creek there and whatnot. Everything's now officially frozen over. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we couldn't get out on any of the rivers that are around this way. Um, but, yeah, they it's, it's a week totally changed everything mm-hmm. from open to frozen over. Exactly. And, and all it took was a, a couple of days. We, we had, like... Routinely at night, about minus ten in Bowville yeah, and yeah. minus eleven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah so eh, well, that's changing soon. Yeah, it's supposed to start plus temperatures. Well, it was, and rain. it was one degree today. Yeah, it was it's a nice like, day. What's that nice all day. about? Yeah. Uh, so we head out to a local park and just launched right into Lake Ontario. John Brower came uh, was with me again this time. Uh, we decided to take the canoes this time instead of the kayaks. Mm-hmm. So we took one canoe and. And uh, water was pretty calm. It was a nice day. There was some, some cloud. I know it was supposed to cloud over later in the day. And uh, so we got out there early enough to totally enjoy the sunshine. Bit of a breeze started up on our way back. But it was almost a warmish breeze. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't cold at all. And, uh, yeah, just paddled along the shore of Lake Ontario from Ajax towards Whitby. Went out to the Lynn Shore Conservation Area. And there's an access there that you can get into the... Lynn Shore uh, okay, Marsh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, there's maybe 10 feet that goes in and then the river is frozen too. Oh, okay. So you can't actually get into Lynn Shore proper. Mm-hmm. It's all frozen. But there is, like you see, you see out in the middle of it, there's a big pressure crack that if you could get to that, you could paddle. Oh, okay, yeah. And then you'd have to somehow stand up, turn your canoe around. <laughs> <laughs> or everybody just turns around. Turn around, face the other way. <laughs> face the other way. <laughs> Uh, and, and battle back, but, uh, no, we, we checked all that out, saw Osprey flying around. I saw the biggest gathering of Canada geese Oh yeah, on Lake Ontario, well, ever, anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you drive by the farmer's field and you see tons of geese and stuff like that. There had to be, there was hundreds. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they all took off and it was like a giant black oh, swarm yeah. shadow of Canada and noisy. Yeah. Holy crap. I suppose the mild weather here too, because, well, Lake Ontario, I, I think the last time Lake Ontario froze over was like 1916 or something. But uh, with Lake Ontario staying open, the the geese and the ducks can stay, right? Mm-hmm. And with the milder weather, more and more of them are staying. But man, if there's a cold snap, there's going to be trouble because these animals or these yeah. waterfowl will, uh, they'll be in the wrong latitude. Yep. Uh, but yeah, there was, there was cormorants, there was... Uh, some seagulls, saw mm-hmm. 16 swans, a bunch of bafflehead ducks were there. Uh, but yeah, just the amount of Canada geese was phenomenal. Yeah. And um, yeah, we it was a good day. All in all, couldn't have asked for a better day for a January paddle. Nice. Right? Uh, well, I mean, we could have asked for above zero temperatures, <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, so, but you had wetsuits or dry suits. We on, had right? the dry suits had dry on. Suits we on. had our PFDs and everything on. And John brought snacks. Nice cinnamon buns. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> they were good. They were good. They were good. Uh, so yeah. So uh, out of my yearly paddle goals, I only have February, March, and April left to do. Because I've got my January to get all twelve months to get all to paddle at least once in all twelve months in the same span of one year. Yeah, yeah, cool. So that's pretty cool. To talk about ducks, mm-hmm. just to go because I was I was doing something and all of a sudden I, I found this. I think the internet totally listens to us, <laughs> which <laughs> is going to come back to haunt us. So yeah. We might need bail. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had to shush you a couple of times. Don't say that. The phone's listening. <laughs> uh, freezing and snowy weather don't just inconvenience people. It can also cause problems for wild animals. Head dunks for food into frigid Lake Erie are part of the normal life for different species of ducks, of diving ducks. Yeah. A lot of people do not realize how many cool ducks come down from the north. They migrate here, says Kyle Kaprowski, lead wildlife specialist at the Lake Erie Nature and Science Center in Bay Village, Ohio. But even, I think the baffleheads are, this is south for them. So, so baffleheads. ducks. Well, I, I've never even heard of a bafflehead duck. Where do yeah. you find this information? Just Google bafflehead ducks. <laughs> but you knew about them before? I knew about, I, well, I knew they were kind of duck, but and I remember what these yeah. ducks look like. And uh, so I just put ducks of Lake Ontario and Toronto, just put in keywords, yeah. and they came out with the, and I'm, those are them, <laughs> baffleheads. <laughs> ducks, including mergansers, long-tailed ducks, and lesser scop, make, uh, must paddle on water in order to fly. Oh, okay. 
if they are on land, that's considered landlocked. And they, they won't be able to move and they'll start walking on their wings. Not like Canada geese who can take off from... What kind of bird is this? Ducks. What kind of duck? Diving ducks. Different species of diving ducks. Huh. He says that can cause serious damage to a duck's wings and feet. Uh, him and his colleagues are currently caring for a lesser scop... Uh, scop? Scop? S-C-A-U-P. Scop? I've never heard of one of those before. Mm-hmm. That was recently found on a local road. For now, the duck is hanging out in a special swim tank. We just try to keep him hydrated. When he came in, he was a little neurological. Kind of had ataxia. Uh, he was falling over a little bit and looked a little dizzy. Hmm. Kaprowski says the duck doesn't have any serious injuries and should be able to be released soon. As long as you're here to get hydrated and sta- uh, and stable, we can turn around and release them in an area that has open water. So they can't fly if they're on land. Yeah. yeah so. Well, that's like a, a loon. Hmm. Loons, their legs are so far back, they can't stand up. Yeah. Right? So they can't like give that little run and yeah. flap, flap sort of thing. If you see them, they actually sort of like... Water ski for a bit. Or like you see them like a cartoon. Yeah. They're running yeah. on water. And on land, they're sort of doing the little hop yeah. thingy, right? Hmm. Uh, so says, how do ducks become landlocked? He says, it really comes down to confusion. It looks really dark from the sky, so they think that it's open water, and they're going to fly down and realize it's not. It's a parking lot. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's a... That's all it takes. Ducks may also mistake a bridge or roadway for open water. Hmm. Says the Lake Erie Na- uh, Nature and Science Center sees a handful to about 20 cases each year. Because I think it was 2014-15, an entire flock of hooded mergansers came down into a parking lot, and it was a lot of them. Another issue wildlife experts see is ducks getting stuck in ice. And I've seen that as well, is people having to... Pour hot water, oh, frozen warm water. Ice, yeah, yeah, because they're sitting there, and the you know, it was wet when they went to sleep, sort of thing. And then yeah. when they woke up, it was frozen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have been stuck in the ice for a really long time and dehydrating. A few signs to look for include squinted eyes, lethargy, ice buildup, and puffiness. Said individuals can take a towel or blanket, drape it over the duck, put it in a box. He says, do not give the duck food or water. Uh, in their area, he says, once in the hands of the team at the Lake Erie Nature and Science Center, Kaprowski said the ducks have a pretty good shot at recovery. One of the best parts of the job is being able to release the animals, he says. Uh, Lake Erie Nature and Science Wild, uh, Center is a nonprofit that relies on grants and donations. If you see a water bird in distress, call your local wildlife or rehab center for advice and instructions. Yeah, it happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I say, it, like you say, right now, I mean, I saw so many yeah. birds there, like ducks and like waterfowl and stuff that, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if we went back and saw some some of them in distress. Hmm. Interesting. So, some of that stuff I never had never heard before. You wouldn't think of it. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that was my, uh, my January paddle and... Uh, what came of it, and now I've got concerns about ducks. Oh, ducks. <laughs> I got concerned. I didn't have enough to worry about. Get your ducks in a row. Damn ducks. Uh, a couple of things that happened in December. Bum, ba, bum, bum, bum. Winona. Oh, yes. 
Uh, Winona Canoe of Winona, Minnesota sold its sister sea kayak company Current Designs in a two-part transaction to Sanborn Canoe Company and Canada's Kayak Distribution. I've actually got a Sanborn Canoe Company t-shirt. T-shirt. I, saw, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. December of 2023, Winona completed the divesting of Current Design Kayak Enterprise to Sanborn Canoe. Uh, they purchased the composite division of the business, including both the domestic and Asian manufactured product lines. Canadian company Kayak Distribution acquired Current Design's Rotomolding division. Hmm. Winona will still continue to manufacture its composite and T-Formex canoes from its headquarters in Winona, Minnesota. So it's only the kayaks are spinning off. Yeah, yeah. They're just so Rotomolding kayaks. kayaks as well as the Current Design's yep. kayaks. Yeah. Now I do believe they said two models of them. They're just their current designs. They're just going to discontinue. Okay. So, uh, founded in Winona, Minnesota, in two thousand nine, the principal Todd Sanborn Sanborn Canoe Company is a Minnesota-based maker of high-quality wooden canoes and paddles, specializing in cedar strip canoes and other designs. Sanborn Canoe is excited to announce the purchase of Current Design Kayaks. The company says in a, a press release. Um, current designs has been pushing development in sea kayaks since the late seventies. And we're excited to continue the tradition of high quality handcrafted composite kayaks that will appeal both to the paddler looking for a refined recreational paddling experience, as well as those who tend towards thrill seeking, looking to travel through and play in some of the roughest waters out there. Mm-hmm. So that'd be the road molding part. Mm-hmm. For the for the rough water, yep. and then the current a lot of the current designs, like anybody you see doing sea kayaking either yep. in the sea or on the lakes, that's a, it's a familiar design. I think they well, I know they're at, at uh, Canoe Copia. Mm-hmm. Uh, current designs been. Um, I don't know if current designs is up at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show or not. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't seeing remember them seeing there. them. No. Anyway, the other one. Is Stolquist. Yeah, this one surprised me. So, Paddle Sports Apparel and PFD maker Stolquist, owned by France's Aqualung Group, is shuttering its operations with its future up in the air. According to December 2023 press release, investment banking firm Bearings completed its acquisition of Stolquist parent company, uh, the Aqualung Group, a global leader in manufacturing diving equipment and high-performance water sports. Aqualung Group uh, product, uh, product portfolio includes an array of dive, swim, snorkel, and paddling equipment brands, uh, including Aqualung, Apex, Omer, Aquasphere, Military Professional, U.S. Divers, and Stolquist. With the parent company decided to exit the sporting goods category in North America, uh, is what they're what they're going to do. As of now, Aqualung is basically ceasing operations of Stolquest moving forward. Uh, Ryan Lightbody uh, of Stolquest says, I know that there are industry questions about the brand and interest in keeping it alive. People have been reaching out to see if it can continue buying its IP, product inventory, and other options. But they're going to focus on Aqualung's pro diving category as well as military and professional dive lines. So I wonder if maybe they'll just eventually just say, okay, well, we'll sell off Stolquest to somebody who wants to yeah, yeah, continue yeah. it. Because I know Stolquest uh, dry suits um, is a cheaper option than like the Kokutat and stuff okay, like that. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's a lot of people. And their the, the PFDs and stuff like that. 
um, Sale sells uh, their stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I went I went and looked at a uh, dry suit there before I went, got my Kokatat one. And uh, they unfortunately only had like a medium oh, size, yeah? which yeah. doesn't fit a mm-hmm. six foot one tall person. <laughs> <laughs> it surprises me because I know Stolquist, <laughs> well, a lot of these brands, like for scuba diving, I, I like I have a lot of the, a lot of my gear is Aqualung and, uh, and US divers. And the, I know that Stolquist is very popular for life jackets and stuff. So I'm just surprised that like. I, I assume it has to do with sales, right? If you're not selling the stuff, then why keep carrying it? Yeah, yeah. Right? But I just, I, I was surprised that it was not enough of a sales to keep it alive. The Aqualung Group pioneered the creation of modern diving equipment in 1943 mm-hmm. when Jacques Cousteau teamed with Emile Gagnon to develop the first Aqualung regulator that made underwater exploration possible. Today, the brand continues to be the leader and global designer and manufacturer of dive and water sports gear for both recreational, military, and professional markets. The Aqualung Group considers the preservation of the oceans as its core purpose, which, I mean, that's full-on Jacques Cousteau, right? Mm -hmm. As a global leader, Aqualung Group has a unique responsibility in revitalizing the diving industry for younger generations. Again, if the younger generations don't have the money to aren't buying dry suits and, you know, uh, and to actively contribute to the preservation and responsible exploration of the seabed. Mm -hmm. With a successful line of both high-end and recreational paddleware, PFDs and more, Stallquest was founded along the banks of Colorado's Arkansas River in Buena Vista in 1977 by Jim Stallquist, with its products uh, the result of a lifetime of hands-on paddling, entrepreneurial spirit, craftsmanship, and design experience. I think we actually talked about him a year or two ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, It was one of the first companies designed gear specifically for paddlers, with Jim, one of the few original designers, still left in the industry. 2004, Stallquest and Aqualung partnered to capitalize on the synergies each has in the personal flotation business, with Jim staying on board to steer the company via guidance on all new products. Interesting, eh? Mm-hmm. It's um, it, 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 to see the market changing like this. It's, I, I you know, I, stuff like this happens all the time. Depending on there seems to be a lot over the last six seven months. Yes. So I, I think the market is, well, I think there's a lot of changes due to COVID and so on, right? Like there's been a, a re, re, the the companies that are out there, some of them are making it, some of them aren't. And, and depending on, I just thought there's enough more people in the market now because we all heard about how everybody was buying up every single canoe and kayak possible. And yeah. there was a lot of new I, I, out I don't in the think woods this is and, a COVID thing though. No. Well, I, I think it's just the way global markets are changing. I wonder who who is selling the most life jackets now because if you're not buying Stolquist, then what are you buying, right? There's a lot of them out there still. Mm-hmm. So, ha. Anyway, I'll keep your ears open and see if any more biggies uh, yeah. get sold off. And I mean, I don't. I'm not a biggie if if, if they get sold to somebody. That it's like uh, was it Churchill Outfitters. Uh, got sold to another guy who's taking it over. So it's not like it's closing down. Mm-hmm. It's just new ownership, yeah. right? So I don't mind that, but it's it's the ones that are just like, well, 
it's been a slice. We've been in business six years. We're closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've seen a lot of that in the last uh, six months or so, yeah. where yeah. where there's uh, like a, a sporting goods company in yeah. like Toronto or or Hamilton or, or down the states somewhere. As they've you know, hey, we've been open for seventy years, but you know what? We're retiring. We're going to close her down. Yeah, and yeah. That's that's a that's a shame when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So we'll keep our eyes out for more. Yeah, it's interesting to see where these things are going. Speaking hmm. about going, so I happen to be over on Gear Junkie and I saw this article. You start to think about what, I mean, we know when we're going on a canoe trip. Yep. If it's a small one, we need to take this, 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 and this. Yes. When it's a longer one, then you got to add extra stuff. And if it's like, you know, three weeks, you got to have certain things. Certain amount of stuff. Right? Some stuff you don't add extra. You're always going to have the same clothes. Whether it's a one-week trip or a month-long trip, because well, you're, you know, you have one change of clothes and whatever. Yeah. But when it comes you to the extras, wash it. exactly, go for a swim with the clothes on and mm-hmm. get a fresh, clean set of clothes. Right. So Sean Jansen paddled one thousand miles down the Baja coast on a stand-up paddleboard, one hundred and twenty-three days. And that just surprises me. It's just. You you think of a center paddleboard as a, a rather unstable platform, but there's a lot of people that use it for this sort of I thing. I know, though. and it just baffles me that people do this. I, I can't see a thousand miles on one, mm-hmm. but uh, the Sea of Cortez is where he went, aka the Gulf of California. So that's yeah. So that's protected from big ocean waves and stuff. Yeah, it separates the Baja California Peninsula from the Mexican mainland. Yeah. So you know when you look at Mexico, there's that one piece that finger of land west from California. Of, yeah. yeah. So he's paddled up between mm-hmm. in into that. He says, "I conceptualized my idea nearly three years before I actually put a paddle in the water." Uh, okay. I mean, you're not just going to go, "Hey, I got an idea. <laughs> Let's do this tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> Some of us might, but. So I had speed bumps, hurdles, tragedies, and personal woes all to overcome before actually setting out on what I thought was going to be a two-month journey. Aside from the uh, monumental physical and mental hurdles in place to paddle 1,000 miles on a narrow inflatable, uh, the gear required to do so was also a head-scratcher. What gear did I use for a 123-day, 1,000-mile journey down Baja's Sea of Cortez? It took years of planning, years of working, and some generosity to find out what I need and for it all to make its way onto my board. Oh. And that's the big thing is. Yeah. You, I mean, you, you don't want to jam heavy and, and back light. Or, exactly. And it's not like you have a canoe or a kayak where you can just jam stuff into the hold or into the bottom of the canoe or whatever. Yeah. Everything is out on top in the open. Yep. Right? Expose the elements. So you got to have a lot of waterproof packs, containers, and this, that, the other thing. So he actually did a list of gear used um, for anybody out there contemplating the same Baja bound or similar journey. Now, of course, I mean, a lot of this you could take anywhere, but some of the stuff was specifically because of the the weather, the sun, and the location of where he was, right? Gear I used evolved as much as the tides swung and waves broke on the trip. So take what you will from my experience and adapt accordingly. Uh, so the paddleboard he had, uh, had a relationship with Pauhana le- uh, leading up to the trip, but hadn't talked to them about it. I emailed them pitching the idea. 
crickets. <laughs> then with a catcher's mitt diving to reach the foul ball way out left field, email came through and the Endurance XL came into my foresight. So they did come through. They did. It's loaded with lashing points where the amount of gear you could tie down is insane. Length worried me at only 12 feet, but the weight carrying capacity was mind boggling. 415 oh, wow. pounds. Huh. Perfect ratio of tie downs and, uh, and weight stowage to withstand what I was going to put it through. So 415, that's total, I assume. So he probably took up yeah. 200 of that. So yeah. he could care about 200 of gear. Yeah. That's still Ooh. a lot of gear. Yeah. Design-wise, it also has ricochet technology <clears throat> that enables it to be dragged up and down the shore with a tough material protecting the bottom. I did puncture holes in the board and repaired accordingly, but this board was without question the unsung hero of Ooh. the trip. So the Endurance XL. <laughs> he punched holes in it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Straps and cargo net. And this is the big thing. you got to tie everything down, right? Yeah, yeah. And see, I use, I use uh, cargo net over my winter camping sled. Yes. So I put everything in there and then put the cargo net over mm -hmm. the top just to hold it in place as much as possible. Pauhana sells separate, uh, separately a cargo net strapping system designed for the Endurance XL and a few other boards. It is a rugged and sturdy cargo net with eight circle metal rings designed to cinch down gear to the deck of the board. Board itself has 30 threaded attachment points on the deck as well as down the rail of the board so the gear can be strapped down in front of you while you paddle as well as behind. Uh, I use 10 of these points of contact to keep my gear stowed safely, both in front of me and behind me. I capsized in rough seas and thought that not only did I lose all my gear, but I was now in a survival situation in the middle of nowhere. But I was able to flip my board back over and saw that the only that not only was my gear still tied into place, my cargo barely even shifted from its original posi uh, oh, position. Had it tied down well. Holy cow. Right? I trusted my life with this cargo net strapping system and would do it again. Interesting. Because mm -hmm. that would be my big... I mean, especially if you're out <clears> doing <throat> something like that. Yes. You roll it. You've lost everything. It's not like it's, you know, six feet down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, he also gets into his clothes and stuff like that. For tops, sun protection was everything. So I went with Patagonia. Patagonia's. Patagonies? <laughs> uh, it's a new company. <laughs> Patagonia's. Tropic Comfort Natural UPF hoodie with natural sun protection and a hood to cover my neck and bald head. This was my daily top. Yeah, the, the, the head cover thing he is. That's important. Yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I watch these people right now just going out of work, just walk on out of work with them big bushy heads of hair. I know, right? <laughs> and I've got a toque on. <laughs> Uh, bottoms again, sun protection was everything. And I never wore shorts while on the water. I wouldn't either for something this long. Not that exposed. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I wore REI Sahara, Sahara cargo pants. They sadly do not make these anymore, but they were great. And not once did I get sunburn on my body during my paddle. And that would be the big thing paddling down there. Yeah. Right would be the the constant, the constant exposure, exposure to the sun. sun, and it's not just the sun; it's the reflection off the water, yep. and so you're getting sunlight and reflected light from every angle and direction. I mean, that's why growing up, it was always make sure you put sunscreen on your face because it reflects off the water. Yeah, you have, might have a baseball cap on, but that light's getting in there, right? 
Shoes. I never paddle barefoot because of the sun, so I needed full-toed shoes. I went with Columbia's Trailstorm H2O shoe. It's a water shoe that has a decent tread for exploring and walking the towns and landscapes. They survived over 1,000 miles of coast, and I have nothing but positive things to say about them. Hmm. Gloves. For sun protection and blisters, I went with NRS Boater Gloves. I didn't get sunburn, but did have blisters. But given the nature of my daily paddling, I'm not sure a single glove in the market could protect against yeah. even that. Right? Sunglasses. I am irresponsible as it gets when it comes to sunglasses, <laughs> but given my blue eyes, I need polarization. Luckily, Gooder makes cheap and epic sunglasses. I don't think I've ever heard of them. i never heard of them either. Uh, and they were my go-to for the trip. Hmm. Cheap and epic sunglasses. So I wonder if those make the ones that I buy from the local gas station. That I <laughs> keep breaking. <laughs> but the key thing is the polarization. I don't think you yeah. find pretty much. I don't think you find much at the gas station that has oh, yeah. proper polarization. Oh, proper. No, just yeah. throw that word in there. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself some polarized glasses. Oh, proper ones? No, you're not going those here. <laughs> The, the dollar store polarization yes. glasses, right? <laughs> uh, base layer and warm layers. For camping when the nighttime desert temperatures dip down, I brought a Patagonia R1 base layer top and bottom. Also had Patagonia's Nano Puff jacket for those chilly mornings and cooler evenings when the winds blew hard. That's the thing is people think deserts are hot all the time. Yeah. Like, in a, in, I mean, up here, we think, oh, the desert. Yeah. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah, but, but it doesn't yeah. retain the heat. Yeah. Uh, paddles. I knew to be able to paddle over a thousand miles, I was going to need a solid paddle. Not these junky and heavy aluminum ones sold at Costco. What? <laughs> No. Why is he besmirching Costco? So I purchased a quick blade trifecta carbon fiber paddle. I doubled its performance for that long, but shouldn't have. It did just fine and thrived with each stroke while pushing me and all my gear from start to finish. I did have a backup paddle. Pawana's endurance sup paddle was always strapped to my board in case I needed it. Hmm. And he didn't say he needed it, so nope. I guess the original paddle did the job. Did the job. Uh, dry bags. The Sea Line Pro Dry Pack 120 liter. I knew the dry bag I wanted for the trip. The Sea Line's 120 liter Pro Dry Pack was the first of three. I dropped it, dragged it, slammed it down on cactus, coral, and spiny bushes. There isn't even a scratch on the material. The dry bag excelled. Look for a full review soon. Nice. And I would have to guarantee because, oh, I put it, I actually finally put it away. <laughs> I have, I've been using the same one uh, on yeah. canoe trips for mm -hmm. 15 years. Yeah. And it's got one little tiny hole I put in it. Is it the original one for 15? You've had it for that I've long? had it for that long. I bought it in Mech years ago. What is the ones that I use? It's the blue one. It's um, Eureka. Eureka. Yeah, you Eureka use packs. Eureka ones. Yeah. I, I go through them like crazy. Like, no. Nope. Yeah, so when they announced that they're going to stop making them, I went out and bought uh, two Eureka packs. So I've got, I've got a couple spares plus the one that yeah you know, I've I've already thrown out two. I've got one that I currently use with holes in it plus the two new ones that I just bought. Maybe I should have bought a sea line. <laughs> if I when I get a new one, mm -hmm. it'll be another sea line. Yeah, like I've got nothing bad to say about sea line. What I like unless you're short. Oh yeah, Tracy can't use it because it, it smacks her in the back of her legs. Yeah. <laughs> 
The what I like about the Eureka ones is uh, they they may you know you, you rub holes in them by putting them in and out of the canoe, but uh, it, they're they pack easily. They've got a big opening. They're they're easy to jam yep. stuff into. Oh yeah, that's what I do with they this. They just one. they're just not very hardy. Yeah, I got it. Well, and you know what? It was this was a case. The sea lime bag was a case of the whole buy once, cry once. Mm. I looked at it and. I think we're like a hundred and fifty dollars, hundred maybe one hundred seventy five bucks. Mm-hmm. It was up there, yeah. and it was fifteen it years took, ago. It so took it was me, expensive. it took me a while to pull the trigger on that yeah. one. And I said, I need something that's like this, but Reliable. there's nothing else. Yeah. So I bought it, and for I know for a long time I was like, oh, it's like a new canoe. Mm-hmm. You don't want that first scratch. <laughs> but yes. I mean, I've had this yeah. thing on on like month long trips and and stuff like that. Yeah. Every time I go on a canoe trip, it's always with me. It's always been. Um, even I think I've even taken it. What, yeah, winter camping a few times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Throw it in the bottom of the toboggan or or whatever, mm-hmm. and off you go. That sort of deal. But yeah, I've definitely gotten my money out of that one. <laughs> so I've yeah when it when I like I said it's got one hole that I put black duct tape on. Yeah. And if that gets any worse or something else yeah. goes. And it's the right kind of plastic that you mm-hmm. could put a tire patch, like a bicycle tire patch or something on it. Why or would you do that if you can just or... use some black duct tape? Well, that comes off. Falls off. <laughs> I digress here. It's, and, well, I noticed with, with Eureka packs, it doesn't take patch as well. It's a, it's hard to stick stuff to the canvas side of it. Like right. I've tried. I've, duct tape doesn't stay on very long. And, uh, so, and I have tried the iron on patches that didn't work. Hmm. So I never went the epoxy method, but maybe I, I, I think you'd have to do that. Mm-hmm. Rough it up with some sandpaper and yeah. throw the epoxy patch yeah. on. I think you'd have to do that. But actually the only other wear on it is, um, you know, you put your straps, like you, you put yep. the, your arms through the straps there and there's a padded back piece. Okay. And lower back area is wearing out a bit. So the stitching's coming out or just no, no, wearing just, through? No, no, just wearing through. Oh, okay. But I mean, that's, you'd expect that. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I'm surprised how long it's taken to mm-hmm. actually get to where it, but it's still got plenty of life in it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what he took on his trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mustang Survival High Water 60 Liter. So another uh, dry bag. Yeah, I, I went out on a limb for the remaining two dry uh, sack dry packs and trusted fellow co-worker and sub-editor at Gear Junkie, Mary Murphy's approval on the Mustang Survival High Water 60 Liter. Pro dry pack was tied to the front of my board, whereas the high water was tied down at the back. He said he got two of them or just... No, just the one. Uh, it held all the essential secondhand gear and honestly took the brunt of a lot of the rough water splashed over the deck of the board. I love the drawstring and roll top closures and the amount of grab handles it offers. When it came time to quickly load or unload during rough conditions, this was the bag that I worried about the least. Now that I will say the Eureka bag compared to the sea line, yep. the Eureka has that bottom front grab handle. Okay, yeah, yeah. The sea line doesn't. You made your own, didn't but you? I made I made yeah. my own, which is you get those books where you can um basically weave like your wristband sort of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. so if you need emergency rope, yeah. you just undo your wristband. Yeah. I made a big one of those for us with a couple of beaners. 
So if I ever need, I think there's 20 feet of rope or something in there, <laughs> I just undo that, yeah. that, that handle, right? Uh, so yeah, I made my own. Uh, and a Sea to Summit Big River 13 liter. Final dry bag I used was a Sea to Summit Big River. I used the 13 liter to strap down on top of the Sea Line uh, Pro dry pack, which held all my important items, passport, wallet, drone, camera, etc. Loved the roll top design and the sturdy material. Also has side straps that were perfect to keep tied down to anything. Trusted this bag the most out of all three. And it reminded me each day that everything was more or less fine. Uh, the big one, water. Ah, yes. He says, more people have paddled the inside passage up along British Columbia and Alaska coast than there have been Baja Sea of Cortez. As a huge arguing point for that this winter, uh, for, for that is water. Uh, there isn't a single freshwater stream that naturally flows into the sea along the coast. So you'll either have to bring water with you or find a way to turn salt water into fresh. He did both. I did both, he says. Look at that. Reliance Outdoor Jugs carried with me a minimum of five gallons of fresh water for each section of my trip. In between, I planned out towns and or fish camps where I could potentially buy or barter for water. I used Reliance Outdoor's Aqua stack five gallon jug for the bulk of my water carrying that'd be the that'd be a heavy portion to carry like what was five gallons that would be it'd be 20 liters yeah so that'd be it's one of those blue jugs isn't it yeah yeah so that's that's a lot that's a lot for one person that's Mm -hmm. yeah a liter is one kilo so that's 20 kilos that's 40 pounds of water 45 gallons would last three days tops Mm -hmm. Uh, in 90 to 100 degree heat. The MSR dromedary. I was also loaned a dromedary bag from a friend halfway down the peninsula. MSR's 10 liter dromedary bag accompanied me for the remainder of the trip. Nalgene. I carried with me a classic one liter Nalgene water bottle. It's lightweight. The plastic lid loop was perfect for me to connect to my dry pack. Catadine Survivor 35. This is the interesting part for me. The final piece of my water puzzle was my reverse osmosis hand pump. Wasn't even going to consider this trip without one. I searched high and low to find a somewhat portable hand pump that could turn salt water into fresh and ran into dead end after dead end until I came across Catadine's Survivor 35. These are not sold at REI. I found one on a military surplus store's website and made the excruciating purchase. It's heavy, bulky, expensive, and slow. But it saved my life a few times on the trip. Pumps about one liter of fresh water in a half hour, so it isn't efficient and isn't something I wanted to rely on, but I'm grateful for. You're Googling it? Yeah, trying to. (laughs) You having finger problems? Must be all that alcohol you've been drinking. <laughs> all that alcohol you've not been drinking. Uh, still, half or one liter for half an hour. You know, that's something you'd be doing in the evenings or something, you'd think, right? Or sitting around camp. or uh, I don't know if it runs by itself that you could just set it, set it up to run while you're paddling or what. Uh, so I, I'm, I was trying to figure out what... So Cyril Der- Cyril Deramo, when he went to Hawaii, he had a battery powered mm-hmm. reverse osmosis, as well as a hand powered reverse osmosis. I was trying to figure out what one he had. 
I don't think he ever said, did he? I don't know because I don't remember if he said or not. What the only know that I, the only thing I know is that his electric one broke down, mm-hmm. and so he had to spend a, a lot of time hand pumping his water to get on his way to Hawaii. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting to. I'm curious. Did the, he say what cost it was? No, he just said it was expensive. Hmm. It would yeah. be. It would be. Yeah. It's a. Uh, but I mean, if you're constantly doing big trips like that, it'd be worth. Oh, absolutely! It would be worth yep. investing in one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, camping gear: the tent he went with a Big Agnes, a Copper Spur HVUL one, super lightweight, packs way very small, so you can save room for the rest of the heavy and bulky gear. Sleeping bag was a Pacific Crest Trail. Uh, sorry, he finished the Pacific Crest Trail in 2015, working side by side with Rabbit and Low Alpine. They gifted me their 15-degree Neutrino Pro Down sleeping bag. Bag was beyond overkill, as most nights I would sleep on top of it for how hot it was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, sleeping pad. Um, sore point with me this year, or last year. I know, hey? <laughs> I have popped so many air pads on the market that I've completely lost interest in them at all. Also didn't want to spend energy pumping up a pad after super long and hard day on the water. So I stayed with the Thermarest. Z-pad. Yeah, makes sense. You yeah. don't want to bring something that you just pop one hole in it and you're done. Right. So might as well have something that may be more bulky, but but it's it's not something you have to inflate. Yeah. Uh, gear for cooking. Stove. Jet boil zip. It's a smaller one. Uh, I think that's the one we got Mackenzie for Christmas. Oh, yeah? Or some Mackenzie for Christmas, yeah. Uh, last year, not this past year, the year before. Jetboil Zip goes everywhere with me. It's fast, efficient, stows away perfectly. Also comes with a French press adapter for coffee. Oh. I know that's 15 bucks for mine. Uh, which has changed my backcountry game since 2015. Long are the days of instant coffee. Oh, I'll take the coffee. I'll take the instant <laughs> coffee. Utensils always with me comes a Sea to Summit Alpha Light Long Spork. That's what we use. Uh, it was perfect for reaching deep into those last few grinds of coffee and the remaining refried beans in the bag. Also bought with me the Swiss Army knife. Comes with me on every trip and was great for flicking away spiders and scorpions <laughs> out of camp. <laughs> now the spork, if you're if you're eating out of uh, out of the bag, you just mm-hmm. you know, like the the, the freeze dried food bags. Watch out with those aluminum sporks. Mm-hmm. They will cut the bag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ask yeah. me how I know. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Speaking of scorpions, you know that scorpions glow when they're black light? Yes. Yes. As so, a if you, fact, so if you're camping in the desert, carry a black light with you. And just take a peek around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you want to see. I'd rather <laughs> just know they're out there just as long as they're not on me. Uh, electronics and accessories. Solar. Given the nature of my work and needing to document, I needed a serious charging uh, charging system. Luckily, Baja's desert and weather could help me in this regard, and I went with the Jackery Solar Sega 60 panel. I think that does uh, Jim Baird not yeah, use Jackery stuff? Yeah, he had a Jackery. But mm-hmm. the battery pack for that is huge. Is that, did he have the Jackery? Yeah, I think that one was just extra big, though. So he had a Jackery, 60 panel. A yeah. Jackery 160 portable power station. Uh, the smallest in the brand's line and is most affordable uh, because of it's water resistant. Oh. I went with it in case my dry bag sprung a leak. 
power banks with the solar, I brought the Jackery Explorer 160 portable power station. This may have been overkill to bring in conjunction with the solar panel, but given the nature of everything I had to charge, it was awesome to have. Uh, GPS and watch, I used Garmin's InReach Mini 2. It has an epic battery life, and I bought the expedition plan so I could send as many messages as I wanted to each month, as well as get a daily weather forecast. Also wore the Sunoto 5 GPS watch. It was great as it tracked my mileage and calories burned. So, yeah, everybody wants those Apple watches now and the Fitbits and stuff. Mm -hmm. No, I haven't worn a watch on my wrist in decades. I only just started wearing one. And that's because they gave it to me for free. Best price. (laughs) It was the best price. (laughs) Couldn't argue with them. Uh, Headlamp, Petzl's... Uh, Arctic Core for its USB rechargeable capabilities. Battery life is insane. It accompanied me well during my early morning paddles. Camera. I have not updated my camera in years. I use the Sony mirrorless A6000 with a Tamron 18 to 200 lens. Setup works great for my needs and was USB rechargeable. Uh, source subject. I bought the GoPro 11 for the trip, ended up dropping it into the water, never to be seen again, <laughs> but loved it when I had it. A GoPro still deserves a spot on this gear list. <laughs> I know I so many people that have dropped GoPros I know. over. Yeah. Uh, a drone. I didn't want to use or buy a drone on the trip as I was solo and shooting self-shot images for myself while I paddled seemed not just annoying, but nearly impossible. But I was convinced and bought a DJI Mini 2, and I will say the shots I was able to get when the conditions allowed made it worth it. And I could USB recharge. That's the big thing is that things got to be USB rechargeable. Yes. Given how hot the nights were, a small fan made a possible to sleep. Uh, I went with a Target, bought Holmes USB rechargeable fan. Seems like an odd and bulky thing to bring, bring but it saved me a few times. Food, uh, aside from water, food was always the next big question. Given the uh, conservancy of my fresh water, I couldn't really cook or make meal kits like most of us do in the backcountry. Most of my meals were just cold tortillas and bean and cheese burritos. Hmm. I could get boring quick. That would be (laughs) like a massive attack on your digestive system. (laughs) You get used to it. You get used to it. I would pack out chips or tostadas to mix it up, but sadly, almost every meal was cold burritos. Oh, wow. 120 days of burritos. (laughs) (laughs) Don't bring a match near him. If I was able to stop in a town, I would pick out city-made tacos or tortas or bring some meat cooked in foil. I thrived on peanut butter and Ritz crack. Oh, those are good. Hmm. Sandwiches, too, and I ate more bars than I knew what to do with. Hmm. Oh, man. Could you imagine at the end of this trip trying to eat a proper meal? Oh, yeah. Your body would, <laughs> your oh. body would rebel. <laughs> no, you fed me junk for, for three months. <laughs> you must stick with junk. Uh, miscellaneous gear. Fly rod. I bought a 10-weight fly rod and flies with hopes of catching a rooster fish. Sadly, that never happened. <laughs> but I did get into a handful of other species that made it all worth it. 
tripod for a lot of my self-time shots. I needed a tripod. I brought with me a slick tripod and it worked great under the salt water and nearly corroded it shut. Uh-huh. I used to have a slick tripod and that's exactly what happened because I used to take it on my canoe trips and yeah. after a while, yeah. It just got rusty. It just got rusty and I think one of the legs ended up breaking off. Conclusion. <laughs> so that's all the gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot of gear. Uh, this trip gave, gave me nightmares. The winds would haunt me at night, drove me to wake early, and paddle before the sun got too hot. As well, it enticed me in with each white sand beach and crystal clear water. That'd be worth it right there. Uh, I learned to be present and accept that Mother Nature wasn't for me or against me. She just is what she is. <laughs> yeah. Accept it. Yeah. Can't do anything about it. Uh, I don't really have a pinpoint as to why I chose to attempt this trip, much less on a stand-up paddleboard. Given the nature of the amount of gear, as well as the pain of having to deal with the weight and worry of fresh water in the desert, it's safe to say why I know no one, to my knowledge, has attempted to paddle this coach on a stand-up <laughs> paddleboard. Now, since completing the trip, I would consider leaving a few things at home, but at the time, each played a role in helping me down the coast. I am thrilled at the opportunity to keep pushing the boundary of expedition stand-up paddleboard trips. Hope this one, along with all the gear, will help guide adventures of your own. It sounds so interesting, but I don't know that I'd want to do it. Would you do this in a canoe? So there's another... Well, okay, in that location. Mm-hmm. So I just... You wouldn't want a canoe on open water, but this isn't necessarily open water. It is the... Uh, you're well, nothing says you have to be out, like... No. Two miles out, going straight down the no, middle. No, no, no. I know, I know, I know. I'm just saying you're protected from big ocean waves with with the Baja Peninsula to the to the west of you, right? So it's it's sheltered, but constant sun, and uh, that would be the killer for me. Mm, I burn so easy. You'd have to wear constantly. You'd have to wear gloves, long sleeve shirts, long pants. If somebody came up to to see what we were doing, all they would they would see no skin. <laughs> you couldn't have the only skin thing exposed. they'd be able to see would be like my eyeballs through sunglasses. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. There would be <laughs> nothing uncovered. It sounds very interesting, and I, I would love the opportunity to uh, to do an extended trip like this. Who's the photographer that just he did a big long trip up north with his new wife? Um, he photographed uh, my granta across Canada. Uh, David Jackson? David Jackson. So him and his wife, they did that long, long trip. What was it? Like three, four months, three months? Oh, it'd be nice to do something like that. I'd love to do a long trip like that. It would be, it would be fascinating. Yeah. But you know, like Tracy. Yeah. She likes mortgage (laughs) being paid. She likes car payments made. She likes food on the table, lights on. Hot water, that sort of thing. But you know, when when people win the lotto, they have to disappear for a while until the heat you know, things like, cool off. You yeah. go on a trip That'd like be a that. Perfect way to do it. Yeah. Throw all your money in the bank mm-hmm. and go on a big trip. Yeah, and just think about around the campfire what you want to do with your money. <laughs> yeah, wait till people forget about you. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you want to check it out, go to Gear Junkie, and they have the whole article there about. Uh, the thousand miles, hundred and twenty plus days on the Sea of Cortez, mm-hmm. and it's funny when you go to like Google and stuff like that. Google or uh, Google Earth, yeah. 
Google Sea Cortez. Oh, and yeah. it puts you right there. Mm-hmm. But nothing on it says Sea Cortez. <laughs> <laughs> Something wrong here. Something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, um. Do, 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 do. The only other thing I have here is a reminder of shows coming up. Oh, yes. And we're getting closer to them. We are getting closer. And, and that's uh, it's like, like a month. And it's like the uh, the cabin fever thing. Like, you know, I don't normally look forward to... Like, I look forward to, uh, like, when we go to, like, Quiet Adventure Symposium. Because yeah. we're, we're, we're in it. But... Uh, in it to win it. Yeah. But uh, I don't normally look forward to the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show, but it's I, I it's that cabin fever thing. It's like, yeah, I want to go see stuff. For the first time since I've been presenting there, mm-hmm. I'm actually not presenting on a Saturday. Oh. I'm presenting on Sunday at noon. So grab your burger, come over <laughs> to the Adventures and Paddling stage at yeah. noon. There you go. Sit in the audience, have your lunch, and listen to me yabber. So that's... That's coming up in three weeks or so. Four uh, the, weeks. The four weeks. 23rd to the 25th yeah. of February. Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Mm-hmm. Toronto International Center. Go to outdooradventureshow.ca for more info. Uh, the Saturday of that weekend, the 24th of February, Wilderness and Canoe Symposium at York University, North York. WCSymposium.com for more information. A lot of people get all mad because they're having it the same day and all that sort of deal. But you know what? For people traveling from out of town, yeah. want to spend some time at each of them, then oh yeah, yeah, to. exactly so, right. Saturday, March second, Quiet Adventure Symposium. We actually have a booth there where we do recording and stuff like that. Uh, East Lansing, Michigan, MSU Pavilion. QuietAdventures.org for more information. If you are going March 2nd, make sure you drop by the booth and say hello. Yes, absolutely. Please do. May 8th to 10th, Canucopia in Madison, Wisconsin, the Alliant Energy Center, rutabaga.com. You can get all your information there on Canucopia. Are you going? Have you decided? No, no, I don't think I'm going this no? year. Like I say, if I do, it's going to be like, you know what? Yeah, okay. Somebody's got to... Somebody's really got to sweeten the pot for me just to say, you know what? Yeah, okay. I'm taking a couple days and going. Mm-hmm. I got to go at least once. Canucopia to me is like an every other year sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a you, big drive. It's a big so event. Here's here's my take on Canucopia. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff there. But you can get through the main hall mm-hmm. where all the exhibitors are. You can get through that in a day uh, if you really want to be slow and, and, and really check things out, yeah. day and a half, easy. And you, you and you're, you're done that, mm-hmm. right? The big heart of it for me is they have so many meeting halls with all different presentations going on at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? There is so much information. Is This is, Canucopia is more than just the, hey, let's go check out all the booths. Yeah. There are so many different talks happening at the same time for the entire um, four, four days? Yeah. Uh, eight, nine, three days. Friday, Saturday. Yeah, because we always go down the, that's why I always think it's four days because we mm-hmm. always go down a day early. Um, for the full three days that you're there, there are so many different presentations being given that there's times where like a couple times I've been there is, 
I want to, I want to go see this one. I want to go see this one. You, you take the, 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 the book and you just circle everything you want yeah. to see. And unfortunately, you can't see it all. You can't see, you, you can't go to every presentation you want to because sometimes they overlap, overlap yeah. with other ones. And sometimes you're, okay, there's way over at that end of the building <laughs> is a presentation. Now I've got to get through 50,000 people to that end of the, the, the whole uh, Alliant Energy Center to, um, uh, see another booth. Yeah. Oh wait, it's upstairs. So now I gotta go upstairs and I wander around and come around and and find. And then your next one is way back where the first one was. <laughs> you know, so that you you really got it. And I think that is the big thing about um, Canoe Copia is, is people want to go see the booths, but you got to look at the presentations yes. being given. Yeah. You know, there's so much information there. I can see it being exhausting. Oh, it was. But it's good to go to. That's why I say, like, as much as you'd like to go every year, I think it's an every other year. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, it's a lot of money too when you for for folks well, from Canada when yeah. you get that. It's a long drive or flight, depending on which yeah. way you go. Oh, I don't, I don't mind the drive, yeah. but it's it's the um, the U.S. conversion really kills. Oh, that it too. really really I know. kills. I know. You know, you're at, if, if something is costing you 120, is costing or, or 100, it's costing us 120, 530. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you're looking at a thousand, that's 1,300 bucks. Yeah. You know, sort it, of deal. Oh yeah, it makes a big difference. It, it really does. And at the end of the day, that's like as much as I want to see and be there. And you know, it's it is a big meet up with people that you don't get to see all the time, yeah. right? Yeah, I, somebody's going to have to really sweeten the pot for me <laughs> to say, you know, what, I'm on my way. Yeah. Right? So Absolutely. We'll see. It happened before. The very first year we went, all of a sudden I ended up with my year-end bonus in February. Oh. And said, hey, what's uh, what's everybody doing this weekend? Okay, so what if I drive <laughs> out and pick you up and we drive over there <laughs> yeah. and pick him up and everybody meets there and then we just zip on down? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what we ended up doing, like last, last minute. I'm going to go one of these. I'm definitely going to go. Come next year. Mm-hmm. Get get somebody to watch the kids. It. Yep. Tracy will probably come along. Uh, I told, I said, if Tracy goes again, I'm sticking her on an airplane. Oh yeah, Chicago's bad. Is that driving through that to help you or help her? Me, <laughs> me. <laughs> and if any bad weather ha- starts, yeah. <sighs> should have just parked the truck at the side of the road. <laughs> we should plan that for next year. Let's plan it for this year. Last minute trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, uh, yeah, yeah, Canoe Copia's. I'll never say never because things happen, but yeah. yeah, right now I'm saying, yeah, probably not. Not in 2024. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, March 12th, Paddling Film Fest, Drums and Flats. Yes. Doors open at 6.30, films start at 7, done at 11, and these are all ishes. Are we? Do you know Film when start seven ish? Do you know when we get our videos to to preview? No, I'm still waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, soon, 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 soon. Uh, that's like a month and a half away, so mm-hmm. we're still good. Uh, tickets are for sale on Eventbrite already. Uh, and they have been selling, so yes, awesome. And April twentieth, twenty first, Ottawa Outdoor and Adventure Travel Show, Nepean Sportsplex, Nepean, Ontario, adventureottawa.ca for more info. I like this one because it's all free. There's no parking cost. There's no admission cost. 
I, I've always puzzled at that. Just drive your car, park it, get out, walk into the building, look at all the stuff, and leave. Yeah. Possibly buying yeah. stuff along the way. Yeah. It's, I, I, I don't know how they can, the, the people, the vendors who go there must pay a lot to have a booth. I would think. But. Because it's got to pay for itself. Yeah. Yeah. For the people that come through. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the ones, yeah, if you want to see us, we'll be at the Paddling Film Festival and the Quiet Adventure Symposium and the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show. Yes. Are you going to come this Saturday or the Sunday? Uh, if you're going to present Sunday, I guess I'll go Sunday. Okay. Cause I'm going both days. So. Mm-hmm. Um, go check everything out on Saturday, yeah. do the yabbering with people and then, uh, Sunday do some last minute looking or looking around yeah. and do my presentation. I think Hap Wilson's actually, um, right after me. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, ah. anywho, uh, you got anything else? I do not. Really? Remember? Oh. Never bring this stuff again. <laughs> yeah, I Enjoy know. Enjoy drinking it all. I know. It's- uh, 11 months till Christmas. Start buying your gifts now. Yeah. Uh, for all you gentlemen out there whose wives are always complaining that you always wait to the last minute, buy them now. <laughs> and then when she's looking at you, what, what's all that? Oh, I'm just doing it early this year. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you are forgetting in December that you already did this in February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll yeah. pull all these boxes out of your closet going, oh, oh, I forgot about that. I was so smart. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like that's going to happen. <laughs> Why do today what you can put off yeah. and do tomorrow? That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all right. And only one dry January day recording session left. Correct. <sighs> and I think we only have two beers left in there too. In oh, the yeah. fridge. Yeah. I have to bring some new stuff. No, no, not, 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 not alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nah, no, not gluten-free, not vegan, not halal, yeah. not, not, uh, blessed by the Pope, not, yeah. um, 15 other Well, things. there's still some of the, my European tour that I bought. Yeah. There's those, time. there's still those there. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> and we're having chocolate milk next week. <laughs> there you go. I'm just drinking chocolate I like milk. chocolate milk. I still drink it. It's funny because... Um, when we grew up, a lot of British food, right? Because mm-hmm. our background sort of thing, and um, so you know, you know the roast beefs and the mashed yeah. potatoes, like everything. Mm-hmm. We're not Irish, but you swear we were. And everybody, you know, you drank your glass of milk with dinner. Yeah, there was no pop or anything like that. Or growing up, we always had your glass of milk, strawberry quick. See, and see, chocolate milk and stuff like that yeah. and, and quick. And all, that was breakfast thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so hmm. you start your day with chocolate. <laughs> you don't end it with chocolate, apparently. <laughs> That's like Cocoa Puffs. It's right? Like, it's like you, by the time you're done eating the cereal, you have chocolate milk left in the bowl. <laughs> yeah. See? See? So, uh, yeah, we always had milk for dinner. And I'll go to a restaurant with people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll order a milk with my meal. Yeah. And they look at me like, what, what are you, eight? <laughs> Even my brother, my one brother, yeah. will go to a restaurant and he, he will still order a milk a milk with dinner. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, we're just brought up with that. Yeah. Right? So. My wife has a story of that. It's uh, sometime when she was like five or something. They went to a restaurant. She wanted uh, She wanted milk. 
So the waitress brought her back a big old glass of milk. She chugged it down and and then immediately threw up all over the place because they brought her heavy table cream in a glass. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> what is wrong with this milk? <laughs> it's sticking to it. my ribs. <laughs> <laughs> and she never drank milk again. Yeah, that took her a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, alrighty. <laughs> uh, if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or X. I'll call it Twitter. I don't care. Yeah, it's Twitter. Skydome, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, download or stream our episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Uh, or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com. Go to the, click on the tab there, the episode page, and you can stream or download all our episodes mm-hmm. there. And we have started putting our episodes on a YouTube every week, so people that like to just play on YouTube and listen. Yeah. doesn't get much easier than that. Just click it and listen. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please share with friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Thank you.